My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Create Fine and is produced by Mecco Radio. Hey guys, before we get into today's show, I just wanted to invite you to check out the other podcasts on Mecco Radio. Just go to meccoradio.com. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com. We have a ton of really cool stuff coming out in the next several months here and getting into 2022, which I cannot wait to share with you. So make sure you check those out by going to meccoradio.com. That's M-E-C-H-O radio.com. Now, onto the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I am joined by Ralph Gonzalez. This is such an interesting conversation. We talk about culture and media and the impact they have on us and how we can use them to positively impact others as we make it our own. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Ralph Gonzalez, welcome to My Wax Museum. Ah, pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, this is a good thing. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you here as well. I know I say that. It's weird listening back to myself because I know I say that whenever I have a guest come on, but I don't ask people to come on the show that I don't want to hear from. So uh, with that, I always start with how we know each other. Do you want to fill the audience on how we got in touch? Yeah, it's actually, you know, we kind of got in touch through a mutual connection, um, Corey, and just kind of how he sees both of our fields and industries kind of meet. And once we actually got a chance to touch base and talk and really just kind of understand each other, we both realized that, you know, there is something between how we both conducted ourselves and just kind of how we work that was very aligned to kind of not only in just our end goal, but also in kind of our personalities from what I remember. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed our conversation. And sometimes, uh, for good or ill, I always I whenever I have a nice conversation with somebody, I use the podcast to like, reel them back in to have another conversation, and and let me hear more about their experience. And of course, our experience starts early on when we were born. And so with that, where are you from? Originally, where were you born? So I was originally born in the Philippines uh, in a small province town called Bambang. So it's B-A-M-B-A-N-G, I believe is the proper spelling of it. But it's a province, like a small town province in the north. And I think back then um, in Asia, you know, the numbers are huge, especially when it comes to like countries. Uh, but in that small town, like it may not seem like a small town to everybody, but I think it was roughly around like a population of 10,000. Which, you know, if you're considering like cities and stuff, like the average population is like 5 million, 6 million. So to have something that small and think of it as like, this is where you would have like, um, you wouldn't have like fast food joints there. You would just, and you would be traveling around through tricycles and bicycles with, uh, with like, even just kind of like, like almost bus cars is the best way to describe it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And and how long were you there for? I was there from, so I was born there and then we moved over here in 96. So I wasn't there for long, but I did go back in periods of time uh, just because I have a lot of family there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really interesting. I've had a few people on the show who immigrated to Canada when they were very young. What was your 
adjustment like, or were you even aware that there was an adjustment to make? Yeah. So coming into Canada, it was a very unique thing, especially in my case, because, you know, back home, uh, my parents, they speak around three or four dialects in the Philippines. And then I myself adopted those three or four dialects. So, you know, for kind of people to understand, you know, the dialects themselves, they almost are like, they're almost like, they're almost like second or third languages because they're so different and widespread. Because in the Philippines, you have like the overarching, like overarching language that everyone should know, which is Tagalog, right? And then in our province, a lot of the conversations there are spoken in Ilocano, right? And then my parents would have uh, another language in a different province that they understood, which is Isinai. So growing up as a kid, I actually, at three years old, I knew all three. I could speak and talk and understand with, with really anybody from either mainland Manila or in our province area, or even a little bit with some of the people that our family and friends are from in different provinces. But then coming to Canada, I didn't know a lick of English. And it was one of those things that was difficult for me to pick up because we were only speaking, you know, our language at home. And it was one of those things where my parents understood that moving into Canada, it was going to have to be a play on survival because they initially came to Canada for a better opportunity for both my brother and I. But at the same time, they understood how difficult it was to navigate and maneuver through Canada with not knowing how to speak English. And they saw that with us where it's just like, if we put them through the school system and they don't know how to connect or communicate, then in the end of the day, it's kind of like the trip was in vain. So my parents made the mission and I made the mission to adopt as much as I can of Canadian culture, which unfortunately stripped away my ability to speak and understand and talk in the three dialects. Interesting. Did you... It was a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. Were you able to at least maintain Tagalog? No. No. No, really? No. Yeah. So as an adult right now, like, because my parents, they made it completely a mission of survival because they said, like, if if you have a difficulty of, like, you know, trying to speak, like, try to speak, like, they even spoke English at home to try and encourage this. Um, and the the interesting thing in my situation, and I don't think a lot of... I don't think a lot of like current Filipinos are going to experience this because there's a lot more Filipinos in Canada now than there were back in 96. But in the school that I went to, there was only one other Filipino kid. And that one other Filipino kid was born in Canada. So anytime I talked about culture, my home, where I'm from, everyone discounted it because it wasn't his experience. And so how, because I know you mentioned that you've been back to the Philippines before. So how has that helped tie you back to that culture? Have you been able to kind of embrace it a little bit more as an adult and and kind of seeing it more that way? Yeah, just uh, my experience going back at first was rough. So, you know, a lot of the experiences I had of going back home wasn't exactly in positive light because it was during a time where my grandparents were passed away. So that was the only time I actually got to visit going back home. And this is the unfortunate thing about, and this is what I'm going to, I feel that a lot of younger immigrant kids would go through is that over here, 
people will not fully accept you because although you speak their language and know the culture, it's because you don't look like them. Back home, you have the flip side. You look like them, you walk like them, you right? But because you don't talk like them, they don't really accept you. So when I went back home, like I was able to pick up and understand. So I'm really good at listening now and understanding like Tagalog and Ilocano. It's just that now I have the barrier of unable to, of being unable to actually reply. Interesting. So you kind of, you get a little bit caught up between, between the two cultures you feel. Yeah. And, and even in my head, like, I now I now am able to understand two dialects, but when I reply to people, I get the two dialects mixed up, and then I end up, you know, bastard like bastardizing two languages, and uh, and when it comes into like conversations now, I, I can't really fully connect with people. Interesting, interesting. So what what do you do to try and maintain that connection and try and be a part of these two cultures, both the Canadian as well as the Filipino cultures you feel a part of? Yeah, I think with the Canadian culture, like I'm definitely, I definitely have a lot of Western beliefs, a lot of, a lot of Western kind of takes on approaches and experiences. But with the Filipino side, it's the only way that I can feel connected to my culture now is to take some of the cultural practices and some of the things that I can really adapt, like cooking, um, some of the, some of the, you know, kind of rituals and practices here that I've learned from other Filipinos and support other Filipino businesses and other Filipinos, you know, on the way to creating culture themselves. Right. So, you know, if you cannot, if you cannot be accepted, you know, and where you're from, you could still accept the parts of it that you, you want to preserve. Interesting. And what, what would you identify as being the most important parts for you personally to preserve of that culture? So, you know, I'll, I'll give you some background on kind of what it means to kind of be Filipino and then what it means to preserve it. So I don't believe that Filipino is or the Philippines itself or being Filipino can really be diluted into one specific thing. But you can you can sum it up in almost an ideology. So, um, you know, I'm not sure what what kind of background you understand about the Philippines, but the interesting thing about the Philippines is we're a heavily colonized country. So we are a country of like occupation from way back in the beginning, from the Chinese to the Indonesian to the Middle East all at once. Cause we used to be like a trading ground. We used to be like the main area where a lot of people would bring in certain goods and services and travel them out to other areas. And then from there, we started getting colonized from the Spanish and then all the way from the Spanish from the 15th century or from the 14th or 15th century, all the way to, you know, our independence during the American Revolution in World War II. So, you know, there's there's a lot of colonization that's happened in the Philippines and and it's really affected our future or our current present time where 30 percent of the entire country's gross domestic product is export Filipino workers. So 30% of the entire country's income comes from other Filipinos who are working in other countries, right? And so in my mind, what it means to be Filipino, and which I tie it very closely to my identity, is where you t- 
take on other cultures and other experiences and make it your own while still tying it into your original identity of where you come from. Because that's what all these Filipinos who are export workers have become. They've traveled to other countries. They've accepted those, you know, those cultures and those identities, yet they, they still represent themselves in good nature. That's why you'll hear a lot of people say like, oh, there's a lot of, you know, happy and like some Filipinos are the nicest people I'll ever meet. It's because those are the parts of our culture that we still hold on to, which is the kindness, the humbleness, the invitation, the, you know, the experiences of like family barbecues, the food. So it's kind of like, even in our dish itself, you're like our, our Filipino dishes, you take spices that are from China with techniques that are from like, you know, India, but then you're combining with native flavors and native things that you can find in our land and putting it together. So that's pretty much what I have to be because I'm an export technically, right? And I'm no longer from, I'm no longer in the Philippines. It's kind of that, that mindset where I have to adopt the cultures that I have here, but I have to maintain the pride that I have of being where I'm from, but also maintain kind of like almost the influence of where I came from without losing it. Interesting. I really like that. And I especially appreciate you touching on, I mean, just the fact that you know, how complicated history is and cultures, you can't just boil it down to, you know, this is what it is here, you know, like here's a single dish and that's our whole, our whole civilization. Uh, and I, I think that is an important point to remember is that cultures aren't monoliths, uh, no matter where, where you go, people are complicated and people are individuals. And so kind of, kind of taking that, I want to start looking at your creativity and less about your past and more about your present. And so tell me a little bit, what are some of your creative endeavors? What are the things that you really sink your teeth into and enjoy creatively? Mm, so with my creative endeavors, I've really done almost everything under the sun from photography to voice acting, to video work, to uh, motion graphics, to graphic design. So I've done and almost did everything that's kind of in the creative field. And that's kind of, and it's, and it's interesting to kind of see where that's taken me from like, so from my photography experiences, you know, I've, I've gone on and done, th done things for like Red Bull and GQ UK. Um, one of my works, one of my work got shown onto Rolling Stones India. Um, and then when it came to my voice acting work, I got to voice at, I got to voice a NHL mascot that hasn't been voiced before. Um, so I got to do that. And then with my video work, I've gotten a chance to really, like, really just kind of get the ground running and start going from like a business level and really take on a new approach that no one's really going after, or no one's really kind of approaching businesses with. So I feel like there's that niche that I'm currently in right now, and I just have to stick the course. So definitely had a lot of creative opportunities and kind of where it's led me today because yeah there's there's some crazy moments in my career hey guys alex popping in here at halftime just to remind you to go and check out the other podcasts from meco radio you can go to mecoradio.com to check those out that's m-e-c-h-o radio.com now back to the show do you have a crazy moment that you think 
would make a great story to share here? Um, so a crazy moment, uh, nothing off the top of my head right now, but I will say one of the craziest things that I got to do was, um, and this was like, this was the beginning of my career. So I'll, I'll kind of divulge on this one when I was in photography and I wanted to start doing more concert photography work. Um, what I did in the beginning was actually go to concerts, hiding a camera. So yeah, because, you know, in the beginning or in any kind of concert, they check you for any kind of camera or anything like that that you might have. So anything like a DSLR, um, they would check and then like they would say, you can't come in with that. So what I would do is actually I invested in like a small pocket camera that had all the specs that I needed. But because I wasn't close enough to the action, I would sometimes sneak my way into the front and actually take out the camera and start shooting some of these artists and stuff like that and then started creating creative work out of it and then from there dming every single artist sending them sending it to them sending it to their pr people sending it to their marketing people and just saying like check out all of this stuff that i was able to shoot for you right here and then it would get me some gigs here and there hey that's kind of cool that i i like kind of the the back door you're the second guest who has gotten into concerts and and done things with concerts kind of um getting around the the quote-unquote rules so yeah so tell me why why was shooting concerts something that interested you in the first place it was it was one of those things where you know it's getting to experience the moment right like like it may sound very counterintuitive that i'm like i'm there to shoot Right. And I'm not exactly experiencing the moment for what it is, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, you're surrounded by diehard fans. You yourself could be a diehard fan. And it's like being there in front of everyone listening, you know, and it kind of being in a collective moment where you have no other worries because you just have all of your senses being pushed to the current, the current experience. It's kind of that thing where it's like, it's almost like having your adrenaline kick in and you have nothing but the moment to focus on. You're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're in the present moment and just there. Interesting. Yeah, I do think, I, I like how you kind of created this visual of all the other senses, like everything is occupied in this moment, right? Every sense you have is fully occupied, fully engaged in this experience um and i i think that's really cool i've never been to a concert but i do have a friend who uh, speaks highly of them and uh and and talks about how they bring him to tears because it's this fully engaging experience yeah yeah well and and it's interesting too like depending on what kind of concerts you go to the kind of people you'll meet along the way and the culture that you'll meet that these these concert experiences, you know, go into his own. I've had friends who've invited me out to raves and stuff like that. And, you know, although they have a bad kind of image of, you know, being places where people can overdose or even do like, you know, drink to excess. What is interesting is that sometimes it's the environment and the situations that bring people closer together. So when someone knows that someone's ODing, I bet you anything, if you were to go to a rave, especially when it comes to electronic music, half of the people there are already registered nurses with OD kits. 
Right. Right. So you have people looking after and taking care of each other in those festivals, in those events. So you get moments like that where you realize that everyone's there just for a good time. And the people that are not there for the reasons they're not meant to be there are immediately like shunned by the culture. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have a particular concert going experience that uh, that sits particularly memorably uh, in your mind? Um, yeah. One of them was uh, my favorite, like, um, like it's almost like a production house, really. It's like 88 Rising. So they're, they do nothing but Asian hip hop so far. Not, not just Asian hip hop, but they are represented by a lot of Asian like hip hop groups and Asian groups in general. They sound on a lot of Asian artists. And the interesting thing about that for me and what stood out for that for me, it's like you have all of these unique sounds, new, unique people, but they all come together because of representation. And you have a lot of people in that audience that, you know, that are there to see them, that love their music, that just love to see it. But you see some of these artists become groundbreaking because no one would ever think that, you know, rapping in Chinese would actually be as good as it sounds. It's, it does sound really good, actually. I had a Chinese roommate, and uh, yeah, yeah, he exposed me to some of that. It was very, very cool. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that's fantastic that, you know, uh, that you've been able to engage with your creative side in this way. Uh, and of course, you engage creatively. Maybe now is a, a good time to plug your, your company if you want to attract some attention that way. Uh, if you want to tell us where we can find you. Yeah, you can, um, you know, so with my business, um, would you be okay if I elaborated a little bit on it and just kind of how it's... Oh, yeah, please yeah. elaborate. Tell us so, tell us all about it. And, you know, all of these kind of experiences, I feel like it's, it, it's, it's this kind of unique thing with my business right now and where we're at. Because I'm no longer freelancing. I've actually started my own production company and it's a video video production company that focuses on working with businesses and using video as a tool. And the interesting thing that I've learned, especially with kind of, kind of like the, the I'm, I'm trying to say the comparison, almost like the contrast, that's it. The contrast between my life as a freelance to my life as a business has drastically changed. So I've stopped trying to push people on my creative I've stopped trying to push people on what I want to see. And I've started kind of flipping the script and really starting to learn that there is so much more underneath the creative. So a lot of people that I've experienced, especially in my freelance time, have told me that, you know, it's 80% the creative is 20% the sales. When in reality, running a business has become 20% the sales and 80% the creative, or like 80% the sales and 20% the creative. And, you know, it's, this actually has excited me in a level that I didn't think I could get excited because what I've learned, especially with what I'm doing now is the art of the conversation. And that has become so much more, so much more like to my core than anything else has fulfilled me creatively. Interesting. Interesting. And yeah, we, we talked briefly beforehand about uh, conversations and about sales and and how we both really enjoy that kind of customer experience that interaction that we that we get from that 
Um, and I want to, before, before we move on, uh, tell us what, what's your website and, uh, how can people hire your services too? So my website is, you know, www.parallelcreativeco.com. Um, if it's a country in the UK or if the country is UK, you've gone to the wrong one. We're in Canada. So just letting you know right now. Uh, yeah. And that's my website. And what was the other one? Sorry. Uh, and, and what they, uh, what services you provide that people can hire, hire you for? Oh yeah. Um, so we do a lot of, we do a lot of creative problem solving, um, especially around services. Cause we understand that video is never always the answer, but we do focus on video assets and curating specific systems that help business owners operate and serve at full potential, meaning that, you know, with a business owner who may be stretched too thin, we're able to kind of build a system using video to relieve some of the responsibilities that they have. So that way they understand that the system we created is kind of operating at autopilot. It's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah. And I'm going to have a link for that down in the show notes so that people can uh, check in with you if, if that's something they're looking for. Uh, and it feels a little bit weird to do a plug kind of in the, you know, middle of the episode like that. Uh, but it's because I like the last half to just be fully focused on your future and what you're looking forward to. So as we get into the end portion here, what do you think your future is going to look like? I think it's going to be a lot of conversations. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm excited for the future because, you know, to be completely frank and real with you, my end goal is to eventually teach. I want to be a teacher. Like I want to either in a university capacity or, you know, have my own school. But I want to teach the creative pursuit. And I want to teach what it looks like for a creative to talk to a business and a business to talk to creative. Because I feel like that is the biggest lessons that I've learned in the last 10 years of freelancing and the things that I wish I knew going like starting a business now because you know right out of university i actually started a i started a production company with a bunch of university friends but it didn't go anywhere and that was the unfortunate thing because we were all caught up in all the wrong things but now that i've kind of gotten my bearings and knowing where i'm at right now and actually have seen some successes with what i'm doing i want to start teaching people not only the art of conversation of like how to be able to you know, talk to a business owner about what you do and how it yields results to, you know, how do you now creatively execute that? And that's the future that I want to see is because I want to start seeing a lot more profitable creatives, but I want to see a lot less burnout. I want to see a lot less, you know, not competition per se, but like aggressiveness to each other in the industry. So I want to start finding a way to unify people through knowledge and preparing them early on. So that way, once they reach a certain level or reach, you know, because like, let's be real, you know, you can focus on the creative and your craft, but there's going to be a point where you reach a point of diminishing returns. That's when you need to start finding a way and how to make it work for you because you can only go so far with the creative. What do you think would be if, if you make this school, what, what do you think would be the most important lesson for people to learn there? I think the biggest lesson that they have to learn is you don't have to be professional to be professional. 
right? You don't have to live up to this, some sort, this idea of, you know, like if I were to conjure up the words of sales, that scares a lot of people that, that already thrown a lot of people away. And I've already scared a few people talking to like talking to them about like, this is what sales means. This is like, when I, when I tell people, it's like, you need to get paid. They, they get afraid of that. But in the end of the day, sales has become more of a, of a therapy session than anything else for my clients and for the businesses I've worked for. Because in the end of the day, like if you were to break down sales and like, this is what I've learned recently that I absolutely love. It's like sales is, you know, serving, asking, listening, empathizing, and summarizing. How, how do you implement that uh, professionally? Because it sounds, it sounds, you know, really personal, it right? It sounds pretty in print, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. So how how do you implement that? Yeah, like it it may sound like fluff. You may you may think that I'm hokey as hell, but in the end of the day, it's 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 taking the model of sales to a no, uh, taking the model of a creative business to another level, right? Don't think of yourself as like a fast food joint where you can, you know, create a specific kind of content and mass produce it, right? On the hourly, you have to think of yourself as almost like a doctor or a consultant, because think about it as this, like if you were to give someone fast food, right? Like if some, if you were working in a fast food joint, you gave them a burger and your burger is your product. There's only really two ways that that burger is going to fulfill them. It's either going to fulfill them in just feeling satiated in the moment where they're going to want another, right? Or it's going to fulfill them in a way that it could end up killing them because of how many burgers they've accumulated that so far. And it's just been a terrible, terrible to the system. When you flip, flip it over and think of yourself as a doctor where, you know, you're there, you're, you're, you're really sitting down, you're looking to serve, you're asking the right questions, you're listening to what they say, you're empathizing to their situation, and you're creating almost like a, a, a game plan or a system. It starts alleviating stuff from their plate, or from their responsibilities that they can further then use as a stepping stone to get into bigger and more profitable places where it helps with you also be a place to be able to pinpoint issues. So you know, when what this means is, it's that, and I feel like this is just with creatives in general, and where I want to see that change is that I feel like we're not looking deep enough. We're not asking the right questions of where, you know, why people are coming to us to create creative solutions, right? Like if someone were to come up to me and say, I want a 30 second promo for Instagram, I tell them, okay, let's talk about this, Right. You said you want something like, and they were telling me they wanted something basic, but they also want something cheap. Right. I was like, okay, so you want a 30 second promo that's basic and cheap for Instagram. Now, if I were to ask them, okay, so what is your intent behind this project? What are you looking to create out of this? Right. It's like, well, I just want to start a promo that showcases our business and talks about how we're still around. Okay. Can you tell me what, you know, what, what do you feel would be results that you would see to know that this was successful, right? What kind of results would you like to see? It's like, well, you know, I'd like to share this. You know, I'd like people to share in comments. Like, so who do you want to comment? Your cousin Vinny? Or do you want like an actual person who wants to do something with your business? And then see, and then that's when they start to kind of really 
start breaking down their conceptions and concepts of why they're approaching you. Because in the end of the day, a client can say, I need a sales video from you. When in the end of the day, what they walk away learning is that they have high turnover rate and they've just been spread too thin. They can't take on more sales. They just need something that automates their training. So that's, that's why for me, it's like, I, I love the conversations of where I'm at right now because creatively I can, I can take so many, so many routes, but then now the conversation, I approach it creatively because now it's at this point where it's almost limitless, but it's a feedback system. Like I'm actually having someone reply back to me and then we get to collaborate and create something together that's specific to that situation and them. Huh. I love that. Yeah. Just asking questions to find out what's actually going to help them and what's actually going to strengthen their business or their project or whatever it is that they're working on. I love that. So this is the last question that I ask every guest on the podcast. And it is at the end of your life, when you're looking back on all the experiences you've had now and the experiences that you've yet to have, you're looking back on everything you've accomplished. What are the things that you expect to look back on with the most fondness, satisfaction, and pride? I would say looking back, I would love to look back on the people that I've gotten the opportunity to meet and grow and connect with. So to kind of, to kind of you know, put it at that, it's like if it wasn't for the teachers I had growing up, right? The lessons that they've taught me. And I take learning to a really high level, like a really high caliber, because if it wasn't for them and their belief in me that I was actually, I was actually good at something, right? Because, you know, immigrant kid, low self-esteem, didn't fit in, didn't feel like he fitted in, didn't feel like he was actually making any progress and just felt like he was dumb. If it wasn't for the lessons and then if it wasn't for the lessons and just their belief in me, that's that I, I wouldn't be where I am today to have the audacity to do what I'm doing today, to have the audacity of doing what I was able to accomplish in all of my previous endeavors. Like if it wasn't for that one person believing in me, I wouldn't have the audacity to actually ask for what I want in life. And so in my final moments, I want to be able to look at all the people and what they were able to accomplish having someone believe in them just that one moment as much as someone believed in me. I really like that. I, I, I think that's um, a valiant moment to strive for. And uh, so with that, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me. No problem at all. I appreciate you having me. And thank you. Not just for listening to and supporting the show, but also for listening to the people around you. Remember to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.